This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to our program, Lawyer to Lawyer. This is Bob Ambrogi in Massachusetts. And I'm Craig Williams from Southern California. I write a blog called May It Please the Court. Bob, you write several. And I write a blog called Law Sites, another blog called Media Law, and contribute to Legal Blog Watch on Law.com. Well, in the world of law, judges and attorneys have been working side-by-side side throughout history. Uh, and, of course, most, most judges, although not all of them, uh, started out as lawyers and know the courtrooms well, uh, most federal and state trial and appellate court judges uh, are are obviously lawyers and uh, and started out that way and studied law before they went on the bench. And it leads us to a very interesting discussion today on the judge and attorney relationship. We're going to turn to several expert judges to discover what they look for in an attorney and what they expect in a courtroom. That's right. We're going to talk about uh, some issues such as uh, uh, younger lawyers coming up in the courts and how they compare to uh, uh, more veteran members of the bar, and uh, we'll get some judge, the judge's perspective uh, in how they view this from behind the bench. We'd like to welcome, welcome our first guest, Justice William W. Bedsworth, is an associate justice for the California 4th District Court of Appeal. During his career as a prosecutor, he was twice chosen president of the Association of the Orange County Deputy District Attorneys and twice elected to the board of directors of the Orange County Bar Association. In 1986, he was elected to an open seat on the Orange County Superior Court, re-elected in 1992, and in February 1997, he was appointed to the 4th District Court of Appeal, Division Three, by Governor Pete Wilson. He was elected to that position in 1998. His term expires in 2010. His award-winning monthly humor column, A Criminal Waste of Space, is nationally syndicated, and he self-described as the most aptly named feature of a dozen legal publications in which it appears. And in the spirit of full disclosure, I host on uh, our law firm's website, uh, A Criminal Waste of Space, on the Internet. Welcome, just Judge Bedsworth. Good morning, Craig. We're going to have to get you a decent lawyer so you don't keep making admissions like that. <laughs> <laughs> our next guest today is William Dressel. Uh, Bill Dressel is president of the National Judicial College in Reno, Nevada, uh, he became president of the National Judicial College in November 2000, and as, as president of the NJC, also has a permanent position on the National Center for Courts and Media Governing Board. Judge Dressel was uh, a, a lawyer practicing law in the state of Colorado uh, and uh, became um, uh, a judge in that state. Uh, he was president of the Colorado District Judges Association and chair of the Colorado Trial Judges Council which represents both district and county judges in the state of Colorado, and now devotes his, his full-time uh, efforts to the National Judicial College. Welcome to the program, Judge Dressel. It's my pleasure to be here, and I look forward to our discussion. And also joining us is Judge Stephen, Steve Lieben. Judge Lieben joined the Johnson County District Court bench in 1993 and is served by designation on the Kansas Supreme Court and the Kansas Court of Appeals. Prior to joining the bench, Judge Lieben worked in private practice and specialized in civil litigation. Beyond being a Kansas district judge, Judge Lieben is also the president of the American Judges Association. The AGA includes nearly 2,000 judges in the U.S. and about 125 judges in Canada. 
The organization is committed to helping individual judges do their jobs better and supporting a strong judicial system. Welcome, Judge Lieben. Thanks. It's great to be here. Well, let's start off the discussion uh, by discussing the day that each of you became a judge. What kind of uh, changes did you feel uh, the very first day when you switched from becoming a lawyer to becoming a judge and, or a justice? I'm not. This is Bill Bedsworth from California. I'm not sure I felt anything the first day. I was elected, so there was an immediate elation factor. But the first time I was actually aware of the difference in my status was a few weeks later when I was walking down a hallway and heard someone say, good morning, Your Honor, and took four or five steps before I suddenly realized, wait, that could be me, turned and said hello, and then worried for a long time about how many people I had ignored without meaning to, because I was not yet used to responding to Your Honor. It, it, it changes everything in terms of how everybody deals with you. It changes nothing in terms of how you see the world. It's a very strange feeling that all of a sudden now you have to make these calls instead of just urging them. Yeah, Judge, this is Bill Dressel. Judge Bedsworth is, is right. You know, you initially don't change. You're the same person, but you do realize that you are being treated different. You're being looked at different. From my uh, standpoint, uh, uh, the, the biggest uh, impact was that I, I was at when I went on the bench back in 1978. I was then uh, the youngest judge in the state of Colorado, and I replaced somebody who was had reached mandatory retirement, and was really the icon of what a judge should be. And uh, the, the just the impact or thought of, boy, here I come, and I I'm young looking, and here's this gray-haired, wispy-voiced. Uh, of wisdom, and I'm supposed to uh, take the place of that person. It was it was a very daunting task. Um, Steve Lieben, the the uh, aspect of it that I found immediately interesting was that, uh, except for people who are already your very close friends, and and even there the relationship may change somewhat, but except for those people, you can no longer trust what anybody tells you about how you're doing. Um, everybody is going to tell a judge something positive, um, or at least most people are, about how they're doing. So to evaluate your own performance um, and try to figure out what you're doing right and wrong takes a great deal of effort, um, and, and you just have to, I think, rely upon people other than lawyers to try to help you through that. Well, Judge Dressel, your, your organization uh, has the task of helping to train and educate judges to serve on the bench. What is it that the judges need to learn? What is it that they don't know from law practice that they need to know about uh, when they go on the bench? Today's judges, uh, it, it, it's a lot. Uh, you know, when I went on the bench, uh, as I said, I was young, but most everybody was in their 50s, and they were predominantly male. Now, if you come to the National Judicial College or even go to a convention of the American judges from Steve, uh, Steve Levin as president, you'll see an altogether new type of a, of a judge. They're younger. They're much more uh, diverse, uh, both in ethnic and gender. And they come from um, uh, backgrounds where they haven't had a lot of time in court. We're seeing some judges coming out of, uh, of uh, office practice, administrative agencies, uh, and uh, coming into a court to, is, is new. And some of them have uh, been there uh, solely from, like, the criminal side, uh, they may be, have been in, in the civil with minimal contact with the court. So you're seeing uh, judges who need 
a lot of the basics and nuts and bolts. They need to know the philosophy of this profession, but more important, they need to know how do you how do you conduct a courtroom? How do you handle your docket? You know, it, 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 it's quite diverse. And this is Bill Bedsworth from California, and it's important that the lawyers keep that in mind. It takes it takes a while to get up to speed on the job. I I spent the first months on the job announcing from the bench that I was going to do X, and then looking over and seeing my clerk shaking his head and <laughs> announcing that on second thought I was going to take the matter under submission and coming back a few minutes later and doing Y, or sometimes doing not X. Uh, even if you've been in the trial court for a long time, there's a learning curve in terms of not only how to run one, but in terms of the magic words. Uh, you know, Typically when I was a trial lawyer, as soon as the judge began sentencing or began ruling, I started turning to the next file. I mean, I, that was his job now, and I had done mine. And so when I got to the bench, I didn't know how to do a lot of those things. And, if, and this was from a trial lawyer. I just can't imagine going in without having spent a lot of time in the tr- trial court and any lawyer should always be checking the background of the judge before whom he or she is appearing to find out, am I dealing with an ex-prosecutor who probably is seeing, as was the case with me, his first medical negligence case and being the judge therein? Uh, do I have someone who actually has some background in the area that I'm going to be uh, trying a case in front of them with? Uh, how much of this do I need to teach the judge, and how much can I expect him or to know? So does, does that suggest that you're looking to the lawyers to help educate you? Absolutely. As a, as, a, as a prosecutor, when I went to the criminal court, I felt comfortable. When I was transferred to civil, I was terrified. But I soon figured out that the civil bench knew I was an ex-prosecutor, and they were giving me trial briefs for everything. If I wasn't sure what time I wanted to start court the next day, I could just mention a certain amount of uncertainty about that, and I'd have a trial brief in an hour prepared by one side or the other. Justice Uh, Bedsworth's comment um, really, I think, points to something that lawyers can do. They don't realize that we are not, like as he said, he may be nervous or scared in a new setting, and judges are that way all the time. I was lucky enough to start in civil where I had practice, practice experience. Um, about three and a half years ago, I started doing criminal as well, and I'd never had any experience in that. Um, he mentioned earlier that sometimes as the prosecutor, when the judge started sentencing, you'd tend to tune out. Um, I'd say there's a lot of areas where lawyers need to not tune out because the judge is relying upon them to be sure that if something is missed, the lawyer will come up with it. Um, and the lawyer has a big interest in the judge not making a routine error that nobody would be thinking about, but which would cause the case to come back again to be retried or resentenced or replayed. Um, I, I always ask lawyers if there's any additional question they want me to ask of the defendant in a plea, um, and lawyers almost never have one, but sometimes I may have forgotten to ask one of the things I really was supposed to. Um, so I think lawyers can help us a lot by just not tuning out and continuing to pay attention because we do need the help. Do judges really view lawyers as as a peer relationship, or is there a level of seniority and and respect that should occur between the the bench and the bar in terms of uh, trial procedure and helping a judge understand what's going on if you're unfamiliar with it? How do do you balance the two? God, it, it depends on the judge. I mean, we all know judges who are robe heavy. 
And, uh, you know, I, I, it was just amazing to me. I mean, one day I'm, I'm arguing for the right ruling, and the next day I'm supposed to figure it out. Uh, it, it, it never seemed to, to me like anything other than a slight change in role. Uh, but we all know people who feel like the, the the job was an anointing rather than an appointing. It, they uh, they they tend to to want that separation between the bench and the bar. And to some extent, it's necessary. I know most of the lawyers, uh, even my best friends, when when they're in the courthouse, I am your honor. I am Judge Bedsworth. Uh, you know, we go out to the softball field, things change. But it's important that the the job be recognized and honored, even no matter what you think about the individual. So you have to maintain that public separation, but I've never seen any, any need for private separation. Well, and there is the power. <laughs> I mean, judges do have yeah. a power to decide a case, and, and uh, obviously uh, we as lawyers are uh, in awe and respect and sometimes fear of that power. I think what it comes down to is, you know, each of the professions, and they're both professions, you know, recognizing their role, and their role may be different depending on the type of the case. But what, what uh, Judge uh, Bedsworth just said is is, is true. That there's there's this position and uh, of the judge, and it's entitled to uh, giving the accord to it of the dignity. But likewise, the judge has to show the respect to the lawyer for their role and what they do in, in presenting the case. And neither one can, uh, you know, they, they really need uh, each other, and uh, especially in this day and age where you're, you're seeing uh, uh, a lot of people coming in to represent them, themselves, and you see what, what uh, a judge tries to do in, in uh, that proceeding to see that there's a fair trial, but then you get back to where there's a lawyer and there's a complex matter. This is especially true with the type of cases that that judges are facing, like Steve was just talking about moving from one to the other. Well, you have a judge move over into a probate area, maybe has never been there before, goes into a termination of parental rights, uh, goes into a drug court, moves into a different setting. That judge needs to be able to open up and establish a relationship with the lawyers who are practicing, know the area. The lawyers need likewise to respect the the role of the court and provide the information in a way that both are going to become better. Let me ask about the lawyers who come into your courtroom. I, something that uh, has been reported uh, several times recently is uh, are studies indicating that that younger lawyers just aren't getting uh, opportunities for courtroom experience uh, that that some of their uh, more elder peers have had. Uh, and therefore are not getting uh, the training and the preparation to effectively represent clients in the courtroom. Are, are you seeing that? Uh, and let, let me start with Judge Lieben and ask you, are you seeing that? And if so, uh, are you seeing opportunities for circumventing that or, or getting around that? Um, sadly, in some respects, I'm the wrong sample because the people that I see in my court are the ones who actually get there. Um, you know, I, I think in larger firms that handle complex civil litigation, it's very hard to get them the experience they need right now um, because those cases so infrequently go to trial. Um, so it's hard to get those cases to go to trial at all, and when they do, you have somebody much more experienced handling the case. The people that I actually see in my courtroom, a lot of the younger lawyers, uh, particularly on the criminal side, uh, do a very nice job um, and are as comfortable as others are once they get in just a handful of times and get to see how it works. 
Um, I think just getting some practical experience is important. Um, at least in my courthouse, um, most of the people who actually end up out here um, are able to get out here enough to get over that nervousness within a fairly short period of time. But I, I think there are a number of places where just by the type of case they handle, it's harder to get out here. Yeah, what Steve says is true. This is Bill. And uh, I've heard the same thing from lawyers, especially professional lawyer groups, that even some large firms are giving leaves of absences, is what I've been told, to allow their young lawyers to go work for a public defender or uh, into a, a district attorney or something to get experience in the courtroom, to be able to understand the dynamics of the, of the courtroom, because uh, we, we are not seeing uh, the jury trials, especially in the larger cases. I, I know that a lot of um, uh, professional organizations, uh, the uh, big topic they're dealing with today is called the vanishing jury trial, and you'll find both plaintiffs and defense lawyers organizations talking on that subject. This is Bill Bedsworth. I, I, I'm in agreement with everything that's been said, but I think we need to remember that while there is less and less opportunity for these people to get experience, I am just thoroughly convinced that, that they're better trained and smarter than we were 35 years ago coming out of law school in my case. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced that, that lawyers are like everything else in life, like ball players, like automobiles, like computers. Every generation is better. And while they are not getting the experience we used to get, because there's so many of them and so many of the high-priced clients do not want to send in a rookie, uh, the quality of rookies that I'm seeing is really impressive. Now, in the 10 years I was on the trial bench and now 10 years on the appellate bench, I, I'm not seeing as many rookies now because I'm on the appellate bench. But when I do wander on down to the trial court to walk, pick up a colleague and watch for a while, uh, I see some awfully good lawyering by some awful young people. And granted, they are often nervous, they are often ill at ease, but the quality of what they're doing is pretty impressive stuff in my book. Well, we need to take a short break, and when we return, we'll get some final thoughts from our guests. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. If you have a comment or question, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show. Did you know that Legal Talk Network podcasts are also available as CLE? Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's clecenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. 
Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at mayhappleasethecourt.com, likewise Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. And this is Bob Ambrogi. Today we are uh, taking our case to a panel of three judges. Uh, Judge William, Justice William Bedsworth, Associate Justice for the California 4th District Court of Appeal. William Dressel, a former judge in Colorado, now president of the National Judicial College in Nevada. And Judge Stephen Lieben, a uh, judge in uh, in uh, Kansas and uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, president of the American Judges Association. And Justice Bedsworth, I, I wanted to ask you, what what is the number one tip you have for a lawyer for how to be effective in your courtroom? Wow, the number one tip, huh? Uh, <clears throat> I, I think that we've already touched on what I think is most important, and that is, Keep in mind that if the courtroom's running right, the judge really is anxious to have your input. It may not seem that way sometimes, but the fact is that he's as anxious or she is as anxious to get this right as you are to have them get it right. And it should be a cooperative venture. And if you think of it as a cooperative venture, I think you're less likely to get nervous. You're less likely to have difficulty presenting it yourself. Uh, Judge uh, Dressel, any thoughts on that question? I think that uh, that's a, it's a good theme and a w- good way to approach it because, you know, everybody's in this to, to do justice, to, to really see that uh, the people who come before the court understand what's going on, that the legal and factual issues are identified and, and addressed. So, you know, the, the lawyer needs to look at it in, in that standpoint. The, the lawyers I'd love to have in court they they came in to make sure I understood what the case was about, that I knew the law, and we moved uh, to to get a, a decision in a in a timely fashion. So uh, know know the judges, like was said earlier. You know, put together a a logical uh, you know presentation, and uh, you know and, and and think of it as as like you said, a, a collaborative uh, effort. Judge Levin, let's turn the question around to you. Uh, we know from experience that one of the things you probably never want to say to a judge is, with all due respect, what kinds of things should lawyers avoid saying? Um, I would say that they should avoid saying anything with ten words that they could say with two. Um, and that's my top tip to people. Um, and I would say that most of your communication with judges these days is going to be in writing. 
Um, at every level, we have a lot of stuff coming to us. We have a limited amount of courtroom time. So I would say most of us can be better writers and do a little bit of work on that. Um, a couple of books that I would recommend, uh, Brian Garner has a book that West publishes called The Red Book, A Manual on Legal Style, or another book called Legal Writing in Plain English. And I would say if you can get your things in writing and make them shorter uh, but still clear, that's the best thing you can do to communicate effectively with a judge. And Judge Levin is, is absolutely correct that by the time you get to the point I was talking about, the cooperative venture in the courtroom, if there is briefing, the judge has probably pretty much figured out where he or she expects to go. So get a hold of anything and take advantage of any program that will make you a better legal writer because a lot of the time you have either won or lost before you walk in. Do you find value as judges and attorneys that participate in ends of court and uh, moot court competitions for high school students or college law school students? What kind of training do you see that lawyers need to undertake to improve their skills in a courtroom? This is Bill Dressel. I, I think you brought up a good point. There are a lot of organizations, the national ones like ends uh, of court, NIDA, and, and the rest of them, and obviously being involved in something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, just basic good speaking skills. You know, they used to always have those uh, programs that would uh, you would learn to give speeches and uh, to be able to stand on your feet and to talk and, and respond. So it's it's a, as Steve was saying, you you have to be able to succinctly and clearly present it in writing, but then do the same thing when you're on your feet and 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 making your presentation. So get involved, whether it's Toastmasters. Uh, or uh, whether it's your local bar association, so that uh, you have uh, ability to be comfortable and and can listen to what the judge is saying, because like uh, uh, Bill was saying, that the judge is going to uh, have the mind made up and maybe have some question for you. You want to be able to to take that question in and formulate a good, concise answer. There are so many more opportunities now than there used to be for educating yourself outside books. Uh, you know, Aboda puts on these wonderful programs. The Inns of Court are wonderful. There, there are now blogs that you can go to, and you can listen to programs like this. When I was a young lawyer, I would have killed to listen to three judges talk about just about anything, just to figure out what makes these goofballs' minds work. How do they, how do they process? What, how do they think? Uh, when you've got the opportunity to listen to people who have been doing your your area of the law for a while. Take advantage of that. Sit and listen to them. Well, I'm not going to invite that opportunity to uh, to uh, call a judge a goofball or follow <laughs> up on that, but uh, we are nearing the end of our time, and we wanted to give each of you an opportunity to offer some final thoughts and also to tell our listeners how they can find out more about you or your organization. So uh, let's just start with Justice Bedsworth and ask for your final thoughts on this and, and where our listeners can find out more about you. Boy, I, I wish I had something pungent and clever to, to wrap up with, and I don't. I just, uh, you know, it, I've been doing this for 35 years. It takes a long time, and hopefully you get better and better at it. I don't care whether you've been practicing for eight months or eight years. You will get better. You will go into court, and you will step on a landmine and blow yourself up, and you'll think, how could that have happened to me? But every time something like that happens to you, you get better, and you will continue to get better. You just need to take advantage of the resources that are out there to make you better. Uh, I'm on Craig's website. Uh, you, can, you can follow what I think on the occasions in which I do think. Uh, 
right there, or I can always be reached uh, with any questions at my uh, court email address, which is william.bedsworth at ca.jud.gov. And Justice Bedsworth's uh, daily or monthly column is listed on criminalwasteofspace.com. Thank you, Craig. Thanks. And Judge Dressel? Yeah, um, we have a great website, and uh, I would encourage you to visit it. It's www.judges.org, and it covers a variety of of information, not only of of what we teach in our courses, but matters of of interest to both the uh, uh, judiciary and the the legal community. Uh, In closing, I would would uh, just say that, uh, you know, remember that, that that judge that is up there, that he or she is is a human being, they're a lawyer, but they're a professional wanting to do their job, and you need to approach it as a professional in, uh, in submitting, whether it's in writing or making an, an oral presentation. And if anybody wants to, to uh, get in contact to discuss what the college does or what I do, my email is just dressel at judges.org, and be glad to correspond with you. And finally, Judge Lieben, your final thoughts. Sure. My thought would be that it takes all of us, lawyers and the judges working together, to really make our justice system work well. And it works best when we all do as effective a job in our roles as we can. So I always enjoy working with lawyers on that. To contact me, it's slieben, S-L-E-B-E-N, at ix.netcom.com. And you can just Google the American Judges Association, and you'll find us on the web. Well, thank you to uh, all of you for taking the time uh, and for your thoughts. And I'm sure there are plenty of lawyers out there who are going to be uh, eager to hear what you have to say. I think the program was so interesting that I think we ought to do another session of it. I think there's more that we could learn as lawyers from uh, these and other judges if we just sat and listened long enough. I didn't get to half my question, so that would be great. Well, thank you again to judges, uh, all of you, uh, for participating and taking the time. A pleasure. Pleasure to talk to you again, Bob. I'll talk to you next week. Yes, Craig. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with Robert Ambrogi and Jake Craig Williams. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.